This is Real Estate Rookie episode 350. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And uh, today, we're talking about liability. We're talking about lawsuits. We're talking about how to protect yourself as a real estate investor in all things LLCs. One of the biggest questions that are asked on the Bigger Pockets forums that are asked in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group that is asked on the Rookie YouTube channel that is submitted to biggerpockets.com slash reply is, do I need an LLC? So this can be because you are starting a business, you are buying a rental property, or maybe you already have property and wondering if you're not going to be living there as your primary residence, if you need to transfer it into an LLC. Today, we are going to break down all of the elements and all of the questions you should be asking yourself if you are going to consider opening an LLC and if it's worth it for you or not. Yeah, we're going to answer questions like, do you need to have your LLC set up before you submit your offer? What does financing look like for your LLCs? How many should you have? So all things LLCs about investing in real estate. Now, I just want to preface this episode by saying that uh, neither Ashley nor I are uh, attorneys. So don't take this as, uh, as legal advice. I think so. Go talk to someone that knows your state, that knows your local laws, that can help you get set up correctly. But we're just going to kind of talk at a 30,000 foot level, some general principles about LLCs and, and how they apply to you as a real estate investor. And I know you guys can't stand it when we say this but this is going to be one of those questions where it depends on your own situation, but we are going to help you figure it out um, if an LLC is right for you or not. Now, I want to give a quick shout out to someone by the username of Casey Intero. Casey left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and said, I can't express how much I adore this podcast. As a seasoned real estate agent and investor, I find myself learning something new every single week. My husband and I eagerly dive into discussions about each episode. The authenticity and down-to-earth nature of your guests truly resonates with me. Thank you guys so much. So if you guys haven't yet, it, guys, 60 seconds, two minutes max for you to go on to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you're listening, take a few minutes, write that review. It really does help us reach more folks. And when we reach people, we tend to help them, which is what we're all about here at the uh, Rookie Podcast. So one of the things we're going to talk about are different factors to consider when determining if you need an LLC. The first thing I'm going to say is if your attorney or even your CPA recommends that you have an LLC, then yes, you should probably do it. Um, there are different costs that are associated with having an LLC. And I think that is one of the first determining factors. Is it cost effective for you to have an LLC? Because one of the issues that comes up along with, should I have an LLC or should I not, is should I have an LLC for each property? And that is a whole nother question upon itself. But Tony, um, let's do a little comparison here uh, talking about costs. But in New York State, to file an LLC, it is $200. And what is it in uh, California? California, if I'm not mistaken, it's $800 per LLC. And then there's also fees that can accumulate every single year. You have to pay another for, for mine, I, it's $25 a year. Uh, do you know what it is for years, Tony, for California? Uh, I don't know what it is per year. Yeah. Okay. So that's just one of the things to consider. But we're also going to talk about uh, your net worth and why are you considering an LLC because you want that liability protection? Well, I 
very, very sorry to say, but if you have no net worth, you have no assets, when somebody sues you, you have nothing that they can take. So maybe you're renting an apartment, you have no savings, you don't have a car, and you ride your bike. You are in great position to maybe not even need an LLC and go ahead and take that risk of getting sued. But we're going to talk about these different scenarios, things like that, which will impact if you have a lot of money sitting in your bank account and somebody sues you, an attorney is going to be more likely to uh, want to take this other person's case because they see that you have this high net worth and you have these assets that are able to take um, instead of somebody who has nothing and if you try and sue them, they're not really going to get anything if they don't have anything to take. Uh, the next thing we'll talk about partnering is if you have a partner for an LLC, you need to think about uh, opening up yourself to liability by partnering with somebody. So if you have that LLC, um, you have your company, you have your structure, and you can also do a joint venture agreement too. What we don't like to recommend is that you go um, into a property owning it with somebody that is in both of your personal names and there is no kind of contract or an agreement put in place. And sometimes having that LLC and then definitely that joint venture agreement can really help with that. But the joint venture agreement is a whole nother episode and maybe Tony, we need to have you do a full episode on that because I've done more LLCs and Tony has done uh, more joint venture agreements. So you can listen to this episode, learn all about LLCs, and then we'll do another one and we'll learn all about joint venture agreements. And then you guys can kind of compare and maybe see one of those are better than actually owning the property in your personal name if you are partnering with someone. But you can also check out the book, Real Estate Partnerships too. So you're buying this property with somebody, you can check out Real Estate Partnerships by myself and Tony Robinson. And you can find that on Amazon or the Bigger Pockets bookstore. I do want to touch on LLC issues too, but before we get into that, let's hear a word from our show sponsor. We'll be back after this break. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. I used to think working from home was the dream, until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. 
But then I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace? It's not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com slash industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com slash industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious. It's where your best work happens. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Okay, so I want to let you know that if you do decide to go with an LLC, it's not just a matter of opening up the LLC and you are protected. Nobody can sue you. Yay! You have this invisible shield around your rental property and your yourself. There are rules that you have to follow so that you do not pierce that corporate veil. So what we're talking about here is, for example, know what your state laws and regulations are for having an LLC. So do you have to have a a meeting every year that you have to document that you had your meeting minutes documented? Do you have to file a biennial statement? There's actually a new law coming out too in January 2024 that is for your LLC where you have to notify the IRS who the beneficial owners are of your company. And I believe this is 20% or more ownership that somebody has in a company, an LLC, for example. You have to report who those people are and you only have to do it once. But some of these things, if you do not do this, then this is where you will not be considered in New York. I don't know if it's everywhere else, but consider it in good standing. So to have your LLC in good standing, you have to follow all these rules. You have to file these forms. You have to you know, pay your taxes, file your tax return, things like that. And you, more importantly, you cannot commingle funds. So that's an issue too, is make sure there's no reason for somebody to come after you personally if you're using the LLC because Maybe you are putting some of your personal funds in there or you're using the the business account to pay for personal funds, but you're not actually recording it as that. So there are a lot of different ways that you can um, not follow the rules and regulations of actually having the, the LLC in place, which ultimately will make it ineffective and there is no point in paying that money to get it set up. 
Uh, last thing I would touch on is setting it up, make sure it's set up correctly. Um, I had an attorney show me how to set up an LLC and now going forward, I set them up. I also use a company called, uh, I think it's USA Corp or Corp USA. And they do, um, some of the legwork for me too, such as the publishing requirement in New York state, you have to publish in two newspapers, one that's published weekly, one that's published daily for six weeks. And it's just stating that you are opening an LLC in that name. And if anybody does want to sue me, they serve the paperwork to this address or, you know, whatever you put down. But so there are companies out there that will do some of the legwork for you. How many people are actually reading the newspaper uh, you know, to, to, to like check for that stuff? That's crazy. But you know what people do do is they read those and then they go and buy domains. Ah, uh, gotcha. Smart. Yeah. But as far as like, it, you know, like, oh, I'm not looking and reading and, you know, six weeks into business, you hopefully don't have anyone suing you yet. But it's the fact that you're establishing that this business is being created. And like, um, for example, if somebody maybe had some kind of trademark or licensing agreement on that name or something like that, that you infringed upon, that's where they would be notified and, you know. Good. And like on that note, like I, I don't want all of our rookies that are listening to to hear all this and feel overwhelmed. Um, Ashley knows more about LLCs than I do for sure because I just offload pretty much all of that to, to my attorney. Um, I've never set up an LLC myself. Like you know, whenever I need to do something, she just sends me an email and says, "Hey, fill this out, sign this document. You know, I need I need to get this filed." So um, if you if you don't have the uh, either the bandwidth or the desire to kind of know know the ins and outs. Like still get, I think, generally aware of what some of those requirements are. But like if you don't want to become an expert in LLCs, that's fine. Just make sure you've got a good attorney on your side to, to kind of walk you through these things that, that kind of understands your state and, and how it works. Now, it, you know, and somewhat of a, a controversial statement, but um, my my thought is that if the the entire reason that you're not buying your first real estate investment is because you're waiting on getting this LLC set up and you've been kicking the can down the road because you want to get this and check this box, just buy the property. Just If you find a good deal, don't not buy it because you haven't set up your LLC yet. Like I would say, let's get that first property. Let's get that momentum going and then set the LLC up right afterwards. And then, you know, you can transfer title to your LLC afterwards. But um, I just see so many people who focus on the busy work of, you know, what, L what LLC should I have? Or let me create business cards. Let me get my website up and running. Like, all those are accessory activities to becoming a real estate investor. Like the core focus is finding good deals, managing them correctly, and then getting your profits. Um, so just just my two cents is like, hey, if you find a good deal, don't not buy it just because you haven't set up your LLC yet. Uh, one thing along those lines, Tony, you made a great point. If you're ready to jump on a property, when you put the that get that property under contract, you can put your name Ashley Care and or assigns. So that is stating that the contract is assignable. I guarantee, I can't even tell you the last time that I purchased property and I knew right away when I was signing my, you know, putting my offer out there on the contract was that I, um, I did not know what, what my LLC was. Like I haven't known for a long time, which one it would go into, like which partner am I going to partner with? Or, you know, what entity am I going to be creating a new entity? And I just put that, I use one LLC as kind of like my uh, development company and I'll put that LLC and then and or assigns as and as i start to figure things out and put the pieces together of how this deal is going to to play out that's when i actually have my attorney change the contract and make sure that the the deed is actually to the llc that i i want it to be so let's get into some of our questions tony 
Our first question here is from Karina Jackson. If I'm planning to set up properties as LLCs, does my offer have to be from the LLC? I just answered that question. (laughs) Well, I jumped the gun. What about the financing? I'm seeing comments that make me think I have to have the LLC established prior to applying for the loan. Is that correct? So that the property is not in my private name. If applying for a mortgage as an LLC, does that change things like interest rate or payment required? So there's lots of variables that come into play here. So when you're purchasing the property, if you are going to have the property into an LLC instead of your personal name, it doesn't have to be in the the contract right away. You can put the and or assigns as. I would be careful if you just put your name and then later on you don't have that and or assigns. I've I've run into situations where people say, no, 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 you this is who signed the contract. We're not going and changing things like this is how you're buying it. And we had to, you know, fight around it. So just to be safe, put that and or assigns as so you can assign it to even another person or to, you know, your other entity, whatever that is. Now, good follow up question. What about the financing? So yes, the bank wants to know who is going to be purchasing the property. And so if you are going for residential, long-term, 30-year fixed, and it needs to be in your personal name, if you go and change that on the contract before closing and you close with an LLC on the deed instead of your personal name, that 100% will screw up and put a halt on your financing and put a halt on your closing of that property. So that is something that you cannot do until after you have closed. If you close on the property, then you can go ahead and change it into an LLC if you would like. But please, please, please read your mortgage documents to see what the due on sale clause states. So in some instances, they will say you cannot transfer the deed of this property to anyone. That if you do, we will call the due on sale clause and you will be forced to pay whole mortgage in full. The second thing that could be in the due on sale clause is that you may go ahead and transfer it into an LLC if it remains the same member ownership. So for example, if I'm purchasing this property as 100% owner, me, Ashley Care, then I transfer it into an LLC. That LLC, I have to have 100% ownership still. If I transferred it into an LLC where I'm 80% owner now and Tony is 20%, that would be breaking the due on sale clause. And they would say, hey, give us our our money. You violated our, our mortgage agreement. Okay. So then there's also assignable mortgages where you can assign them to wherever, to whoever, as long as the bank approves them. But that way you can assign the same uh, terms and everything like that. But they will actually do a formal vetting process of that person, which in turn would be your LLC. So there is also sub two. We're every day now. Tons of people go ahead and take over other people's mortgage payments. So, you know, learn more about doing sub two and you could just sub two a property to your LLC, I guess. But um, there are definitely things you should be aware of that could happen. And that is that due on sale clause of changing the ownership of the property. So for myself personally, I had owned property in my personal name. I have um, mortgages that are in my personal name and I transferred those properties into an LLC where I'm 100% owner 
and it's been maybe three years now and no bank has come to me and said, we want your money. Because remember, banks are not in the business of foreclosing on properties and selling property or even owning real estate. They want you to, they want to keep receiving those mortgage payments. Yeah. I was just, just the other part of this question to ask, right, is um, like, do you have to have the LLC established before applying for the loan? And, you know, I've, I've talked to a few different lenders and some want to see maybe more mature LLCs to give you like the best rates and terms. Some are like, Hey, just get your LLC set up during the closing period. And as long as it's created before we close, we're fine with that. Um, typically I've seen that with more like the hard money lenders and, and things of that nature. Uh, but what, what's your experience been, Ash? Like, do they typically want to see uh, a fully formed mature LLC before, um, you know, like before you go under contract or what's the timeline you've, you've usually seen for, for your LLCs? Depends on the bank financing. If I am going with a bank to get a loan, they want to see, cause they want the EIN number right away. That's with the LLC. They want the name. So if you're doing commercial side of lending, they most likely want that as full as as far as fully formed. So technically a fully formed LLC is one that has had that six week publishing um, criteria established. And that's where you've done your six weeks in the newspaper after you created it and you have your affidavit from the, the newspaper company saying that's all completed. And then you get, you submit that to the state and you get your paper like, hello, you, um, you know, did the publishing requirement, you're all set. And just to clarify really quick, that's like a New York thing because we don't have to do that in California. So it's going to vary from state to state. Like for us, I think as soon as we, like, I don't know, whatever paperwork my, my attorney submits, you know, and, and then she applies for the EIN, we get that back and we get two docs. We get like our articles of organization um, that gets filed with the state. Filing receipt. Yeah, and then we get like our, our EIN letter. And like, those are the two things we need to be like fully formed in California. Yeah, and I, I don't, there's definitely been a couple times I've been asked to have the, the the publishing requirement, like show proof of that, if that's been done, but not all of the time. But I would say um, you don't have to have it to actually close on a property. You don't want to go ahead and put an LLC on a contract, though, that you don't actually have that yet. Uh, in New York State, you can look up if that name is actually available. It's like the name availability LLC in New York State. Just search that. You can actually look and see because sometimes even if a name is too similar, they they won't let you have it either. Um, so I would definitely not put an LLC. But it does take like you can literally I could go on right now and within 10 minutes I could have an LLC and an EIN number to go along with it and then go ahead and apply for a business credit card to, <laughs> to go along with it all within, you know, an hour or less. So uh, I, I think for the loan, I recommend uh, getting the LLC, at least like having the name when you're applying for it, because um, the, the LLC will be the, the name that's actually on the the loan documents and when you submit your loan application to the bank. So the, the last part of Karina's question here is if applying for a mortgage as an LLC, does that change things like interest rates or the payment structure? Um, my experience has been that uh, typically when you're going the commercial route, uh, your terms are going to be a little bit shorter. So instead of maybe having a 30 year fixed term, like you do with a residential loan, you know, your primary residence or, you, you know, a, a loan that's in your personal name for an investment property, you might have like a, a 10 year term. 
Um, so the, the, the length of that contract is a little bit shorter. Interest rates could usually be a, a point or two higher depending on which lender you're working with. Um, amortization period is going to vary. You know, I've seen some that go up to 30. Some we've looked at have been like 20, 25, somewhere in that ballpark. So it, it, it depends. Um, but we are typically seeing shorter terms, slightly higher interest rates when you're going with like the commercial debt through an LLC. What have you seen on your side, Ash? Yeah, most often there has been one bank that I've found that will do an LLC on the residential side of lending, but most of the time you have to go to their commercial department, which usually means, depending on the size of the bank, but even small banks where you have to go talk to a completely different lender who specializes in the commercial lending and submit a whole different application if you are using an LLC for that commercial side of lending. And it's usually only a fixed rate for... I've never seen more than 10 years. I'm sure there is out there, but it's, you know, usually five, seven or 10 years that you get that fixed rate and then it goes variable Um, or the loan actually becomes due. It's a balloon payment where you have to go and refinance with the bank or a different bank, too. But what they do is even though your interest rate is fixed for that short period of time, it could be amortized over 15, 20 or 25 years. Um, I haven't seen 30 yet for the banks that I work with, but um, that helps keep your your payment low, but it's that interest rate that also is higher than the residential side. So there is definitely a big difference in financing when using your personal name, you will get better terms as long as you have good credit and things like that than if you're going with the LLC. But um, most often, especially if it's a new LLC, they're going to ask you to sign for the LLC and be a personal guarantor on the loan anyways. So they still are going to run your credit, you know, want your social, and they're going to put you on the hook for the loan. And then, um, you know, eventually you could remove yourself from the loan and have it be a non-recourse loan where it's no longer um, tied to you. If the loan isn't paid, they can't come at you personally for the debt. All right. Should we hit question two? Okay, this question is from Oscar Chavez. Is it better to get one LLC for your properties or one LLC per property? Looking long-term to protect myself and my assets. Getting mixed opinions. Having a meeting next week with my attorney. Also live in Texas. Tony, hit us with all Texas laws and regulations on LLC. <laughs> Oscar, obviously neither me nor Ashley uh, live in Texas, but I mean, you know, again, just giving you the, the 30,000 foot view, you always want to want to balance the risk with the cost, right? To absolutely 100% minimize your risk, you would put every single property into its own LLC. That way, if someone had, you know, if, if something happens at property A that ends up in a lawsuit that ends up with, with liability, all of your other properties, B, C, D, E, F, G are protected because it's two totally separate entities. Now, like Ash and I talked about at the top of the show, remember that each new entity you set up creates additional costs, creates additional admin, creates additional just like work for you. Um, so you want to balance like, okay, do I really want to spend, if I'm in California, that $800 every single time to set up a new property? Do I really want to have to file a separate tax return for every single entity? Do I really want to have a, qu- a separate QuickBooks file for every single property? So those costs, they do start to add up, especially if you're talking about buying a, a single family residential, like long-term rental, where maybe your cash flow every single year is, you know, 
a, a thousand to a few thousand bucks, like you could potentially eat up the majority of your cash flow just in maintaining your LLC. So you've got to weigh that cost against, you know, like, do I want to separate one for each? Now, again, to Ashley's point earlier, if you're a super high net worth individual, and you know you're, you're just super concerned about you know I've got five million dollars sitting in the bank and I'm super liquid and and, and I'm an easy target, um, then yeah may, maybe go down that route. But I think for most new investors who are starting off, we're probably not coming from you know a crazy high number uh, for for net worth. So maybe instead of doing one LLC per property, maybe it's like a grouping. Like, hey, I'm going to put five in one LLC, or I'm going to put 10 in one LLC. And then from there, you can kind of separate it out. So what I've done in my business is that we kind of have an LLC for different partnerships. Um, and, and that's kind of how we've grouped our entities. And Ash, I think you do the same thing, right? Where you you have like an LLC for each one of your your partnerships that you've got. And that's worked well for me. Yeah, so it's not per property. I mean, eventually, I think once it gets to a very high amount of equity available in those partnerships for those properties, then we would add on to another one. For example, in one partnership, we are 50-50. We had a bunch of properties in there. And then we started a second LLC where I'm 60 and he's 40. And, um, and then we started putting properties into that one. But you can, you know, definitely distribute them out to different LLCs. But Tony hit it home as to the cost and the management of those LLCs. You know, you you pull up your your bank account dashboard and there, you know, you have all these separate bank accounts now. You have all these different QuickBook files now. You have to pay a bookkeeper, bookkeeper for each entity. Right. You have to pay your accountant to file each tax return. Um, I think this year it was $550 per an LLC for each of my LLC tax returns, which if you just have one duplex in there, that could be a month or two months cash flow, that $550. So there, there's advantages and disadvantages. Like if you open up uh, more, you know, you have a more overhead, you open up less, you may expose yourself to to more liability, but your overhead has decreased. So that's where you kind of want to weigh that out and figure out a good number that's that's comfortable for you too. And you can also get, we talk about this before, like if you've read our, our real estate partnerships book, we talk about getting umbrella insurance. So if you are, uh, you know, getting your personal name, getting umbrella insurance, then you can go ahead and put that over your personal name if you don't have the LLC but you can also get umbrella insurance on your LLC too. So if you do have high equity in your LLC or maybe just do that LLC, you've just kept a lot of cash in that that business account, you can go ahead and get umbrella and uh, policy. The first partnership I ever had, we did an LLC and we still have uh, umbrella insurance policy over that just because it's, it's very inexpensive. And like, we were so nervous when we first started as to like, what's going to happen that we just wanted to protect ourselves as, as much as possible. Okay. So I guess in that situation, um, kind of weigh it out, but if it's going to be your first, second, third, fourth, maybe property, you can start out with that one LLC. Um, also depending maybe if you're switching markets, maybe you want to, if you're, you know, investing in Georgia and you have another pro other properties in Texas, maybe you're going to split up your entities that way as the Georgia ones go in this LLC, the Texas ones go in this LLC too, or by strategy. And um, like, I don't co-mingle my short-term rentals with my long-term rentals. There's a separate LLC for the short-term rentals and the long-term rentals too. Interesting. Why, why'd you do it that way, Ash? Because uh, the short-term rental is active.
active, more active income for me because I don't have a separate management company that manages the uh, short-term rentals. Interesting. So what what my CPA told me was um, even if it's like arbitrage, you know, regular Airbnbs, like the fact it's still considered rental income. So it gets treated the same from a tax perspective as long-term. Did you? Yeah, it it does. But I'm open to more liability on my short-term ones. I'm sorry. That's what I meant as to like, I'm more active in it. Like there's more actively, uh, I could make a mistake, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, so that, that's what I mean as to like, I, my, anything that is like an active business for me, that it's not like the, the long-term rentals or even the property management company, those are all separate. Like there's anything my long-term rentals are in. There is nothing that I have, uh, active business operating with them. that makes sense, I guess, but that's the reason I keep them separate. Just thinking through like the different LLCs that I have, I actually have them up on my whiteboard over here. So we have, we have one for our education, our, our event side, right? It's like all of our, our coaching program, our, our events, all the stuff we do. We have one LLC for that. Um, we have one LLC for our cleaning company, one for our property management, one for most of our short term. And then we set one up for our, our commercial, even though that one doesn't own any assets yet. Um, and then we also do like our flipping through our media and education company, which is weird, but because it's all active income from a tax perspective, we figured it'd be fine. But those are like the big buckets that, that we have right now. Yeah, I guess that was misleading for me to use the word active, but um, more personally involved or more of a business behind it, I guess. Yeah. And just like to clarify, so like what Ash and I are talking about, like active versus passive um, from a tax perspective, those are treated differently. So um, like flipping and wholesaling that's considered active income, whereas rental income from short-term and long-terms are considered passive. And you're taxed at a higher rate on your active income. So what I've been, uh, the, the, the tax guidance that I've been given is that you want to separate uh, your active income and your passive income into separate entities to make sure you can maximize the tax benefits that come with the passive stuff. Yeah. So the LLCs that we have are the partnerships with the, the long-term rentals and then there's a property management company that's its own LLC. There's a development company that will kind of be the project manager on rehabs. It's also the LLC that we use if when we purchase something um, before we, in that like LLC does the due diligence, things like that. It's more of like the acquisitions, I guess, side of it. And then it will get dumped into whatever LLC I decide it goes into. And then also the liquor store is its own entity. And that's like another thing too is if you have an active business that's in one of your properties is that, you know, having those two separate LLCs is keeping those separate. So the building is an LLC and then the actual business is in an LLC too. Then the only thing is that the short-term rental is kind of run out of that, that development company. But I think I need to actually create something that's super focused on that, that short-term rental management or. Yeah. And you can get like super ninja with it too. Like I have a friend who, He's he does like short term rentals, um, and he bought an apartment building with his long term rental LLC. He then signed a lease with his arbitrage LLC. So he had like a twelve month lease with his with, with his arbitrage client, um, and that allowed him to get better financing 
because he had a long-term tenant that was signing this lease, even though he was still short-term renting it out. But because there were two separate entities, two separate businesses, he was able to spend it that way. Because if you try and refinance with just your short-term rental income, typically the rates are going to be a little bit different. It's harder to get financing, but doing it that way, he was able to get get better rates. So yeah, they're, they're, man, you can go super deep and get super complex in how you structure the, the entities. There's also, what's the... What's the the Augusta rule loophole too? So where you can rent out your primary residence for two weeks and not pay taxes on it. And this started because of the big golf tournament in Augusta, Georgia, where people would leave and literally rent out their home for two weeks and they don't pay taxes on that. And you can also rent your primary residence to your business to use as office space, a studio, or to host a meeting instead of taking um, your team out to dinner and you could have it in here. And like there's rules, like you have to, you know, have to, it has to be of market rent or whatever. You can't charge $20,000 to, you know, host a, a, an event for your business um, for, you know, two hours or whatever that is. But um, there's so many different ways. And that's why it pays to have a great uh, tax planning CPA. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Actually, I have my next tax session with my CPA in like a week, I think. So excited for that. Mine's on the 18th. <laughs> yeah, so like two weeks. <laughs> okay, we're going to jump into our next question. And this one is actually going to be about a business credit card. So actually getting financing. Now that you've decided to create your LLC, you have your LLC put together. We're also going to, um, the last question, I took a peek at it. We are going to talk about insurance too. So let's get into the business credit card First, I love business credit cards because they always have huge sign-up bonuses with $100,000 bonus points, so I can fly my kids to free with me to conferences. <laughs> but if you are applying for a, a business credit card, you will need the LLC's EIN. So this this question by Russell Breen is, anyone know if you apply for a business credit card with your LLC EIN, with, um, could that count as debt or a hard inquiry on your personal credit score? Great question. If you are getting a Capital One business credit card, that credit card will show up on your personal credit report. It will not for Chase, Wells Fargo, a bunch of other ones, but Capital One, I do know it will show up on your personal personal credit for the business card. I think the the inquiry still shows on Chase, even though the balance doesn't, right? Not for business. Gotcha. Okay. It will just show for a personal credit card you're opening up, but not for a business one. If I, for every business credit card that I pull, if I had an inquiry of my credit would just ding, 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 because there'd be so many inquiries going after it. We just, we had several LLCs we didn't have credit cards for. So like over the last like three months, we've been opening up new ones and like, I'm like starting to lose track with like all the different ones. So like, I, I got to build out like a Monday board that like keeps all my, my credit cards in, in one spot so I can keep hazard tales of it. Um, one thing, Ash, that we've mentioned a lot on the show that we haven't defined yet is EIN. So when you're applying for a personal credit card or, or like a loan, a mortgage, anything like that, you have to put your personal social security number. Same thing happens through your LLC and your EIN is pretty much like the equivalent of your social security number. So when you apply for a business credit card, mortgage, et cetera, they always want to see your, your EIN and you have to apply for this. Um, is it with the IRS? Yeah, I, it's irs.gov. And, and so I just Google irs.gov slash EIN and it will come up. You'll find it in the Google. I've never applied for myself, Ash. Like I said, my, my attorneys always set up my LLCs for me, but you're saying you can get your EIN in like an hour? And not even. They'll literally, I'm saying like by the time you do your online filing, you fill out everything on the state website, you can go and get your EIN. Once you have the LLC name, you can get your EIN number right away. And then you'll get a letter that you need to save and they'll also email it to you. But like the thing that sinks about the EIN letters is you can never get a copy of it. So make sure you save those because it's very, very difficult to actually get that original letter again. So start your Google Drive, your entity name, 
And then in my entity name, I have a folder that says binder, because when I first started doing LLCs for the investor I worked with, his attorney would have like a physical black binder and it would be like the, the filing receipt, the articles of organization, the operating agreement, these little tabs. So I continuously did that until it was like stacks of binders between me and this other investor. And I put it all into Google Drive, but it will say binder and then we'll have those folders, the EIN you know, any biennial statements that have been filed, tax returns, things like that. Um, but you can keep all of these in a folder. And we actually go through this in the Real Estate Rookie Boot Camp, and we have a new one coming up soon in the end of January. But um, it, we go through, and it's like a whole checklist I give everyone. And so, like, here's the different folders that you should have to, like, as a memory, like, okay, even if I'm not creating an LLC today, when I do create an LLC, it almost that check X as a checklist. Like here's the information that I need to save. Along with the the business credit card, though, um, on the business side for Chase, I know on the personal side you can only have five credit cards open that are Chase credit cards. Do you know if that's true or not for the business side? Uh, I don't know. I only have one Chase business card right now, so I haven't haven't tried to max it out yet. Yeah. So those are just couple things you can go to, uh, you know, the points guy or aunt Kara on Instagram and find all these travel hacking people that can help you, uh, maximize those points with getting the, the business credit cards too. Um, you guys know me, I like to get freaky in the spreadsheets and I have a spreadsheet tracker that will be like, okay, I need to hit this 5,000 minimum spend on this credit card by this date to get those bonus 100,000 points. I was so upset because we opened a business credit card over the summer and I just like never used it. And then I missed that window for like, you know, and it was like a super small spend. Yeah, it was like 5,000 bucks, you know, which we will spend that on, on like whatever, like setting up a, a property. And um, yeah, totally forgot about it. And then, and then when I went back to use a credit card because I hadn't used it, they were end up reducing my limit down to like a thousand bucks or something like that. I'm like, what am I, you know, what can I do with that? So anyway, I love the idea of tracking it up front to make sure that you're actually getting those bonuses. And I think that's a great point too, Tony, is your about uh, the credit limit too, being a new LLC. Um, you may not get a huge credit limit. So actually when we started the property management company, I opened a new credit card for it and I had two employee cards for the maintenance tax and the limit I think was like a thousand dollars, which for them doing maintenance and there was a lot of maintenance to get caught up. It was like, I was paying it off every week and I made like one huge payment because I knew like that day they were charging like a couple of fridges or a stove or something. And so I, I made like almost a prepayment on whatever they ended up putting a hold on my account because the payment was so high and it wasn't like making payment on the due date or anything for the statement. And they put a hold on the account for a week and we're like, are you, they were penalizing us for paying our credit card. And so like eventually, like over time, I just had to like be super diligent about like basically whatever they spent that day paying it off until eventually, you know, I think it was probably after a month or something, they increased the the limit. But that's something to uh, be cautious of, too, and that it is kind of easily you can always call to and request for them to increase your credit. And I think sometimes you can even do it um through their portals too, also. Just real quick, Ash, what's your favorite business credit card? Uh, the Chase uh, Business. The Business Inc? Yes, Business Inc, yeah. 
That's my favorite business one. Uh, I love the ch- I have the Chase Sapphire Reserve as my personal one. I really love that one as well. Um, uh, yeah, we, we recently got uh, an Amex business credit card, and this is my first time ever having anything American Express. And theirs is a little different, where they don't like give you a like a, a spending limit. Like there's no limit on your credit card, but it like fluctuates based on how much you spend. And like, if you spend more, you get a higher limit. If you spend less, they bring your limit down. So, th- so this is a card where I got the card. And I think initially I was able to spend up to like 5,000 bucks or something when I first opened it. And because I hadn't spent anything, I went to go charge something. And then like, oh, your limit's only $1,000 now because you haven't used it in the last like 90 days. So that I'm not, I'm not a fan of. So I do like Chase because it's just like super clear, like, hey, your limit is whatever, you know, X amount. Yeah, I do have the um, Amex Delta one, which I do really like because with Delta, their points will get you better reward status with Delta. So that, you know, like anytime that I fly, um, me and anybody that's flying with me, we're all automatically upgraded to Comfort Plus because of just using my credit card points. And it gives me points on Delta, but it's not like I actually have to spend those points to get the upgrades. The points just like the the money, I guess, like you have to if you spend so much in a year or whatever on your Delta credit card, it transfers over and gives you that status where you get that free upgrade every single time you fly, if available, of course. But um, yeah, a lot of different cool things that you can do with uh, business credit cards. Let's hop to our last question here. And this one is from Jason Kravikas. Hey, everybody. I have an insurance related question I was hoping to get some insight on. I'm nearing the end of construction on an out-of-state duplex. I currently have it under an LLC, which I was planning to change once construction is complete, but I'm having a difficult time getting a policy quote with an umbrella over it. If I put it in my personal name versus leaving it in the LLC, won't I need an umbrella policy? Thanks in advance. Okay, so I highly recommend that if you do put it in your personal name, that you have an LLC, that you have an umbrella policy, but if he does choose to leave it in the LLC, you don't technically need an umbrella policy. So I think Tony, first let's kind of break down like what an umbrella policy is and what it does. Yeah, so we we have an umbrella policy for most of our properties because again, a lot of ours are not in LLCs, and basically an umbrella policy is like exactly like it's an umbrella where it just covers like just you and any, any liability tied to you. So I think we've got ours for like. 2 million bucks worth of liability. And it's relatively inexpensive. I don't remember the cost, but I remember it was, it was, it was like so cheap. We were like, why wouldn't we do this? Um, so basically now if someone comes to us and maybe they have an issue with this property, uh, even though it's not in an LLC before they can come after us personally, it would hit our umbrella policy first. So basically it's just like a, it's like blanket liability protection for you that, that can be applied to different scenarios. And I think it also covers us in like other instances. Like if I got into like a car accident um, and, and something happened there or any just kind of like liability against me personally, uh, my umbrella policy could go against that as well. So it, it seems like it was a, a good bang for your buck option for us. Yeah. And I think one of the differences between the actual protection of what an LLC provides and what an umbrella policy provides is that an LLC is saying that someone can't sue you personally because it was the LLC that was at fault because this property, like say someone slips on your sidewalk and they, they sue your LLC, which is owned by your property. And you know, your LLC, um, landlord policy that's on that property would, you know, pay out a settlement or whatever, but you say it's your only property in that LLC, you have it mortgaged, there's not a lot of equity in it, and your insurance company just settles with them, whatever, pays it. 
But if you, you know, you have that property in your personal name and someone goes to sue, sue you and you have a, a half a million dollar paid off house that you live in, when someone goes to sue you, they can ask for more. And so what happens with the, the LLC is saying, like, you can't sue me personally. So no matter how much I have, you can't sue me personally because this what happened was this LLC was in this LLC's entity. OK, that's the kind of protection the LLC provides you if you do everything correct, like we talked about in the beginning of the episode. But if you do own that property in your personal name, you don't have that LLC to say, no, you can't sue me personally, even though it's an investment property. What the umbrella policy does is it will cover up to two million, one million, whatever your policy is to fight the you getting sued to to fight the claims. So, say somebody's suing because they slipped and fell, the insurance company will pay up to, and you know this will all be in your agreement. But basically, it's saying here's two million dollars to help you fight the lawsuit, whether that's them, which most likely would be it was them settling with the person and just giving them a payout, them paying the attorney fees, the legal fees to settle the lawsuit for you. So that's the big difference is that it's not the the umbrella policy isn't providing you protection. It's literally just giving you the money to handle the problem and take care of the situation, I guess. And I just want to like clarify that because those are two very different types of prote protection too. So I guess, Tony, what is your stake on this? Do you think that he should put it in his personal name? I get, I, I, you know, sorry, Tony, I'm going to, I'm going to take this yeah. away real quick because I think one thing is I'm curious about is to why he's having a difficult time getting a policy, an umbrella policy quote on himself. That's what I find is hard because I would think no matter what, uh, I would say, go talk to insurance brokers first and go and find a broker who will go and shop the, uh, insurance to different companies for you and, and get that umbrella policy. Unless maybe you have a lot of claims history in your past for other things, and maybe that's why you can't get the umbrella policy and it's expensive. I was just going to say, like, he says, I currently have it under an LLC. So I guess I'm just missing what his motivation would be to even pull it out of the LLC. Like, if, if it's already there and you've already got that protection, why put it back into your personal name and, and get the umbrella? Maybe because he's doing, um, like, a construction loan or maybe even hard money, private money now and wants to go and refinance it in his personal name to get that 30-year fixed debt too. Yeah, maybe the better rate. Yeah. To Ashley's point, I, I think I just shop around. Like there's so many insurance brokers out there, like going bigger pockets, searching the forums, like you'll find someone, uh, whatever city or market you're in, see if you can find someone local to that area, get a recommendation. But yeah, I'd say you, you just got to shake some more hands, knock on some more doors, and I'm, I'm sure you'll find someone, uh, Jason. And 100% in to his last question, 100%, I would say if you're putting a property in personal name, get that, that umbrella policy. If, you know, it's very, usually very inexpensive, unless you have like a lot of claims that people have sued you in your past, then maybe it isn't going to be cheap for you, but, um, it's very inexpensive and it will help you sleep at night. So Tony, speaking of sleeping at night, before we wrap up this week's episode, how is baby girl and have you been sleeping at night? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, she, she's doing pretty good. Like last night she had her last feed around like 11, she had her last bottle around 11. And, um, I got up this morning at six 30 and she was still asleep. So we're, she, she's doing pretty good right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, my son woke up at like 10 30. I was 
passed out and he wanted a drink. I got him his drink and then me and him stayed up till about midnight watching the storm <laughs> outside and the snow. So I did not get a lot of sleep, but then we started watching uh, Christmas vacation and we finally fell asleep probably shortly after midnight. <laughs> but, but hey, that, that's what this time of year is about, right? Calling up, watching some movies, staying up late. So yeah, it was a great little memory of us. It felt like we were in a snow globe, but okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's Rookie Reply. If you have a question that you would like answered, please go to biggerpockets.com slash reply. You can also check out the show description to find out where to see Tony and I on social media. You can also connect with us there. And don't forget to ask your questions in the Bigger Pockets forums too. There are a wealth of knowledge in that community um, in the forums. So make sure you go network and connect with other investors and we'll see you guys next time. Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest, but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice. Take it one step at a time. And here's some good news for you. The Rookie Bootcamp is starting on May 20th, and Tyler and Ashley will be guiding you through each and every step until you're the proud, confident owner of your first investment property. Through eight action-packed weeks, they'll guide you step-by-step through those first questions, decisions, and obstacles that every beginner investor must overcome. So if you're serious about becoming an investor this year, head to biggerpockets.com step and join us in the Rookie Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.